The insurance and injury law show the numbers 416-216-5910 to get a hold of Savan directly and Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca or simply help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to uh, send us an email. We'll get to a few of those throughout the show today. Let's start with the week that was. you got a couple cases, then we'll bounce over to the injury calculator, which is something everybody should uh, have a beat on as well. How are you, pal? I'm very good, John. Good, and, and you know, again, I know I say every, every week that we do this, I say it's been a busy week, but you know, it's becoming more and more difficult to select uh, a couple of cases to talk about at the beginning of every show, mm-hmm. uh, just because there's so many cases and so many things that people should be aware of out there. And that's the reason why we do this review of these cases uh, th- that I, you know, the people that I speak with and meet with weekly, because there are lessons to be learned. I don't want people to be making the same mistakes. And, and you know, as we were uh, j- just about to start the show, I told you that uh, I just got off the phone with a lady who called me up, who's re- being represented by a lawyer with respect to two car accidents. Uh, the first one happened in 2009, so mm-hmm. we're talking about seven years ago. Not only is that case still ongoing, but it's but from what she told me, she's never even met with her lawyer. I mean, can you can you imagine that? that? So so not only has the case probably been prolonged by about two or three times the amount of time that it should have uh, gone on, because it should have been resolved literally within a year or two uh, of of the accident, just based on the information I have about the accident. It wasn't a complicated case. Uh, and, and the injuries were fairly straightforward, but you know, seven years later, never even met the lawyer, is now coming to me for for a second opinion because she's so frustrated. She has no faith in her lawyer whatsoever. Again, a lesson to all of you out there: if you've been involved in a car accident, a slip and fall, you've been injured, and you have a lawyer or a paralegal, you have a right to know what's going on with your case. You have a right to ask questions. All right, you have a right to understand. What is the next step? Has the next step been scheduled already? So, okay. With that said, John, let's go to two uh, two, two cases that I did actually select, other mm-hmm. than that third one we just discussed. Before, is there, would there be yeah. a time deadline on her since it's been seven years? Is there any sort of time deadline she's looking at for well, this or no? The thing is that it seems like last year she underwent through one of the, more, the, the, the critical parts of the claim, which is yep. called a discovery. It's when she gets to answer questions and talk about her injuries and the accident. But that should have happened years ago. <laughs> So the next stage is going to be mediation, which we spoke about last show. That's when everyone gets together with the insurance company representatives, with the insurance company lawyers. That's when the negotiations actually take place and a resolution is often achieved. This is why it never goes to court. Or That's goes exactly, to court, right? exactly, John. But here's the problem. So, so the discoveries or that questioning uh, event occurred mm-hmm. last year. And I've asked her, well, has mediation been scheduled? Because this is a Toronto claim. And as you know, in Toronto, when you start claims for personal injury, uh, mediation is mandatory. That meeting between all the parties is mandatory. You have to come together. Exactly, because that's when most cases get settled with mediators. And uh, it seems like no date has yet been selected, even though discoveries happened last year. And of course, what we do in my office is as soon as discoveries are done, we immediately contact the other side uh, or whichever side that is. It could be two sides, three sides, whatever. And we coordinate a date. You have to keep the case moving. For sure. That's what happens in in most cases uh, where these cases just go on forever is that the lawyers are just shelving the case. They're not doing doing anything with it. And and who suffers? The client. Uh, So in any event, let me move to the first case because, again, I want to go through uh, these two examples or these two cases I've been dealing with recently. Uh, good lessons to be learned from those. So the first one is a slip and fall case. Uh, it's a 50, uh, 53-year-old lady who was walking her dog last week and was crossing a road on a crosswalk when a car making a left turn hit her and knocked her down. Gotcha. It was a fairly severe impact. Uh, she broke her knee, and she's actually scheduled for, for surgery in, in the next uh, uh, little while. Now, she doesn't have her own auto insurance, 
Uh, and she was asking me, who's going to pay for her missed work days? Who's going to pay for her rehab? You know, who's going to take care of all these expenses? Because she doesn't have insurance. And I explained to her that if you if you are a pedestrian and you are struck by a car, uh, the other dri- the driver's insurance company is going to be covering those expenses. They should be paying you income replacement. Right. They should be paying for your rehab, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I explained to her that because she suffered a fracture, she's entitled up to $50,000 in medical rehabilitation expenses. Okay, above and beyond what you can get with OHIP or the fracture clinic, et cetera. Wow. You can get $50,000 assuming you don't have any collateral insurance, you know, like health benefits through work, uh, which usually kick in first. Uh, You are entitled for that sum of money uh, from the driver's insurance company as well as income replacement benefits if you can't work of up to $400 a week. Unless, of course, there are optional benefits that were uh, uh, purchased. So, So the lesson is this. If you're a pedestrian and you are injured by a car, even if you don't have your own insurance, your auto insurance, the driver, the person who hits you, their insurance company is obligated to uh, to cover you for those expenses. And of course, don't forget that in an injury like this, where you suffer the fracture, where you can't work, it doesn't mean you can, you know. It's it's just in cases where you have a fracture. But generally speaking, when you have a serious accident like this, you're also entitled to pain and suffering compensation as well as anything above and beyond in terms of expense. So. You know, if you're getting 400 bucks a week right now, what if you can't work into the future? Well, again, you're entitled to that compensation to make a claim for, for, for those future lost amounts from the driver's insurance company, uh, the driver who struck you. So, so that's the first case I want to talk about. So if, if, this, if this woman, this pedestrian, did happen to have an auto policy, even though she's on foot, she's not driving, would her auto policy, because she was struck by a car, would that kick in? Or would it, it would still be the other in. driver? No, it would, no, eh? It, yeah, well, it would kick in, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, your premiums are not going to go up because it wasn't your fault, clearly, mm-hmm. unless it was your fault. Uh, but, yeah, your own auto policy would kick in. But in the event that you don't have insurance, and this is what most people are concerned about, is who's going to pay for my missed time off work? Who's going to pay for, you know, the chiropractor, the massage therapist, et cetera, et cetera, that I need because of my injuries, because this inattentive driver uh, hit me? Uh, and, and the answer to that is that driver's insurance company, if you yourself do not have your own auto insurance. Now, I know you're not, a, you're not an insurance broker, but you mentioned there a second ago that the income replacement benefits 400 bucks a week unless you opted for better coverage. If you had done that, say, in your personal uh, situation, if you opted for, say, $1,000 a week, would that right. cover not only you, but would that cover someone else you hit? Or Correct. that depends exactly. on your no, really? no, it does. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it covers the person who's claiming under the policy, who's eligible under the policy. Wow. You've, perso- you've purchased optional insurance in order to get that optional coverage. And if the person that you struck, if you're the driver and you hit someone, uh, your policy essentially becomes their policy in a way. It cool. covers them for those benefits. Cool. We'll take a short break. we got another case to get through, and we will get to uh, the injury calculator, something you should be educated on as well. In the meantime, you want to get a hold of Savan anytime, his direct number, 416-216-5910, and email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, it is 416-216-5910, easy number to remember. That'll get you a hold of Savan uh, directly, and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We always start off the uh, first segment with the week that was, we're going over to the second one here with the second case you want to talk about, yeah? Right. So the second case deals with long-term disability, which, of course, we've talked about for quite a while. People keep calling me with a lot of questions mm-hmm. about disability claims. So I got a call from a very nice lady who was on disability because of a debilitating, uh, debilitating symptoms, including vertigo, vomiting, nausea. Oh. Uh, something is obviously very wrong with her. And, John, ironically, she's actually an insurance adjuster herself. Uh, so in any event, that's neither here nor there, but her employer is providing her with short-term disability, but that's about to expire. 
and she's going to be eligible to apply for LTD. So she wanted to know, well, how do I go about this? And I said, well, just contact your company's HR department and have them instruct you uh, on what needs to be filled out. Sure. Uh, and they'll put you in touch with the insurance company uh, who, who's going to be taking care of the paperwork and ask you for documentation. Uh, I also explained to her that she's going to need supporting medical documentation from likely a specialist, uh, let's say an ENT in this in this case. Uh, but, you know, even though you may have a specialist that's providing you with an opinion on why you can't work, if you also have a long-standing family doctor that is supportive of you, that can say, look, I've known this person for X amount of years before right. the disability arose. Uh, in my opinion, she can't go back to work. You know, I, I remember how she was. 20 years ago or whatever. Not 20 years ago, history. five years ago, yeah. three years ago, before the disability happened. And, and I can see her now. I can tell you, from, as, as her family doctor, long-standing family doctor, I, I do not believe that she can go back to work. And, and I can tell you that even though... That family doctor doesn't necessarily have the expertise in the area upon which we need the opinion, right, Right. that that deals with the vertigo and the nausea and all that. That's just going to support and back up the specialist's opinion. And together, it's going to make it very, very difficult for the insurance company to deny the claim. Uh, and, And, you know, insurance companies oftentimes come back and say, we have insufficient medical documentation or insufficient proof for whatever reason, and oftentimes it's just about making sure that you have all the reports lined up, making sure you have all the doctors lined up. And, and John, again, something we spoke about before, oftentimes doctors, specialists, family doctors, whatnot, oftentimes they provide reports, they're trying to help, but they're not necessarily answering the questions right. that the insurance company is looking for. And, and you know, insurance companies operate in a, in a very, in my, my opinion, a very linear way. Unless we get a specific answer to our specific question, we're just going to deny it altogether and yeah. say there's just insufficient medical documentation or insufficient medical proof. So you have to make sure that everything lines up, all the ducks line up. And, and oftentimes people come to me and I can rectify that very, very quickly. So again, if you're in that position, in that situation, just give me a call or email me. We'll have a chat for a few minutes. I'll tell you what needs to be done. It's really not a big deal. Because you know insurance speak because you worked on that side too, That's right? right, exactly. I mean, I used to defend insurance companies uh, in my former life. And, and you know, oftentimes I, it, it would be myself who I would have to get the information from the other side, digest it, yep. provide it in a digestible form to my client, the insurance adjuster. Uh, and, you know, and just like anyone else in any profession, some insurance adjusters are smart. Some of them are not that smart. Totally. You know, and th- that applies to just human beings in general. Totally. And, and oftentimes I would have to educate my clients or persuade my client why a claim should mm-hmm. be paid. Or sometimes I would say why it should not be paid. Uh, but again, it, it definitely gives me, I would say, a bit of an edge because I used to report to insurance you adjusters. Bet. I understand the way that they're thinking and the way they operate. And just as an aside, since that uh, last story, that last case anyway, was about a disability, you can go anytime to mydisabilityquestions.com. And there's all kinds of questions and answers already been asked at that particular website you can have a look at. Last couple of minutes here, let's get into it. Injurycalculator.ca. So that's a beautiful tool that we've been discussing now for months. Uh, it's an online tool. It's a free tool. Uh, anonymous, if you've been injured in Ontario uh, as a result of someone's negligence, whether it's a car accident, a trip and fall, a slip and fall, whatnot, go uh, to that uh, tool online, uh, put in the location of the accident, let's mm-hmm. say Toronto, uh, Newmarket, whatnot. Sure. Uh, put, put in your age. Don't put in your name or any identifying don't information. Need you don't need anything nope. like that. Just you know, tell the program what is your injury, what's the extent of the injury. And what happens then, there's an algorithm and a database uh, and, and the program, within about 30 seconds after you input the information, it, it, it gives you a range of compensation for your pain and suffering that you could expect to receive if you actually commence the claim, if you start a right. claim 
for your pain and suffering. And we've spoke about this before as well, that, you know, when you have a personal injury claim, pain and suffering is just one component of the compensation. And not the biggest. It's not necessarily the biggest, exactly. I mean, you can have a problem with your knee because of this car accident, but you have difficulty working, you're losing income. You know, if that goes into the future, if that becomes a chronic problem, you may be getting thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for your pain and suffering, but maybe your income loss in the future is mm-hmm. going to be three hundred thousand dollars. Right. So it's extremely important to obviously look beyond what this tool provides. But at the very least, for people out there uh, who are just curious, you know, I, I fell, I fell on the sidewalk and I, I fractured my wrist, or I tore my shoulder, or I got back pains, concussion, whatever. You can put all this information in there. And again, within 30 seconds, I mean, that's how long it's going to take you to put in the information. The program is going to give you an answer, a range of what you could potentially expect. And we spoke before about the fact that it's not just me having programmed the, the, the software to just give you a range out of thin air. Right. It's based on, on research of prior cases of other people across the country who've, who've had claims like yours with your type of injury, your age, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Right. And, and he, here's what judges have said that these injuries are worth in quotes. So that's yeah. the reason why if I were to input, you know, said injury, say it was a torn shoulder in a car accident, it's still say maybe fifty to $80,000. So there's a $30,000 window there, right? Yeah, you, you can definitely have a range. And some of these ranges are huge because different injuries affect people yep. differently. You can have somebody with, uh, with back pain that is debilitating and that person can't work, but somebody else with similar back pain, but that person is more resilient and is able to go back to work. So clearly it affects the person differently cool. and, and the program understands, the algorithm understands that there are different cases out there. Depending based on, on case on law. It's based on case law. This yeah. is not something that we just came up with. Yeah, it's pretty bulletproof. Check it out, www.injurycalculator.ca. I mentioned the email address as well, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email to kick off our third segment. Lots more uh, coming up here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. In the meantime, Savan's number, his direct number, by the way, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The number to get hold of Savan, 416 216 5910 and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. That is the email address just used by Jerry from Toronto. I said we'll get to an email right off the top because I know you'll want to hear your emails read out and some answered spoken by uh, by Savannah. I was in a car accident about a year ago and suffered a torn meniscus in my knee. I spoke with the adjuster for the insurance of the guy that hit me and he said that unless I can uh, prove that the tear happened from this accident, I won't get anything, not a penny. I've had problems going back to work since the accident. I'm a contractor, so it's really tough on my knees, and I've been losing a lot of money. Any suggestions? Uh, Yeah, definitely, Jerry. So first of all, if you were in a car accident, uh, you're going to be entitled to some benefits from your own insurance company. Uh, We talked about them uh, before, income replacement benefits, as well as medical rehabilitation benefits. But, you know, let's deal specifically with what this adjuster for the other insurance company, for the insurance company of the guy who hit you, told you. Uh, So first of all, uh, and again, I, I'm going to say that this is my opinion, all right? If you are contacted after an accident by the insurance company of the other driver uh, or owner of the vehicle, first of all, do not talk to them. That's number one. Clam number up two, time. yeah, certainly don't believe anything they say. Not because they're lying, because it's not their job to help you, okay? It, it's just not. Their job is to minimize any legal exposure that they're insured, the driver that they're protecting or the owner of the vehicle uh, on, on their side. That's, that's what their job is. So first of all, with respect to the, uh, to what he told you, Jerry, about the, uh, proving that the tear happened from this accident, that's not going to be that difficult to figure out. Uh, if you did not have a tear in your knee before the accident and after the accident, we know you do have a tear in your knee. Most likely it's from the accident. Now, what complicates these kinds of cases oftentimes is when 
the person's, uh, um, let's say, right knee hit the dashboard, uh, and, and he doesn't really complain about the pain until a few weeks or a few months later, right. and it's only a year later that he does an MRI, and then it shows that there is a tear, and then there is a question, and, and, and he works in a very physically demanding job. Right. Yeah. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, well, did it actually, uh, was, was the tear caused by the accident? Was right. it caused after? That goes to another point that I keep emphasizing all the time, which is that after an accident, whether it's a slip and fall, trip and fall, car accident, uh, make sure you get physically checked out. And if you have any pains whatsoever in your back, in your neck, in your shoulder, wherever it is, make sure that's documented. If you get taken to a hospital by an ambulance or if you go yourself after an accident, make sure you really list everywhere that hurts don't simply assume that if you're telling them your neck hurts you know and your knee just hurts a little bit that they're not interested in you telling them about the knee no make sure that you mention from head to toe what hurts because guess what if you start a claim for compensation a year later or two years later they're all going to go back to the initial reports after the accident they're going to say okay wait a second did you complain about your knee right after the accident because if you didn't complain about your knee for three months after the accident, it calls into question as to whether or not, mm-hmm. in fact, there is a temporal uh, connection between the accident and, and, and the, the injury. So, uh, you know, in, in, in your case, Jerry, I wouldn't worry so much about what the suggester is saying. Clearly, from what you're describing here, you've worked before the accident. You're having difficulties now. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't have any issues with your knee or certainly didn't have any issues that prevented you from working. Uh, Don't worry about what he says. Uh, Give give me a shout. I actually want to find out a little bit more information about the accident and see if there's anything that we can do to help you uh, with it. But also the type of of injury you're describing and the type of um, uh, losses you're incurring by not being able to work properly or at all, uh, you could be entitled to a lot of compensation okay. as against that insurance company. So that adjuster is going to regret the day he even called you in the first place. That number, 416-216-5910. You mentioned about going to a doctor or emergency room right after if you're not, of course, unconscious. And I'd even go as far as to telling the, the medical people, they might say, oh, it's probably not connected with this car crash. I'd say, please document it because this has nothing to do with you. This has to do with my insurance six months from now if I make a claim. I want to make sure I've told you everything, so don't blow anything off, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would simply insist that everything gets checked out. Yeah. And not, not only just for the legalities of it, uh, you know, because you want to make sure you preserve whatever rights you have into the future, uh, but you really want to get checked out. I can't tell you how many times, John, I've had cases, and we've talked about them on the show as well, where people got injured, uh, in, in specifically in places like joints, like, like, a, like the shoulder, yep. and... and there was no investigation, but it bothered them and bothered them. And, you know, when they came to me, I said, okay, I've done enough of these cases. I'm not a doctor, but I've done enough of these injury cases to know that if it keeps bothering you, there is a problem. There is yeah. an inflammation. It's chronic. It's chronic. And, and, you know, I've told people, go get MRIs. And, and I, you know, one case come to mind right now where the family doctor resisted for such a long time uh, ha- having this person uh, uh, get an MRI. Finally, she ended up getting an MRI. It showed the tear. And, and guess what? She now has surgery booked. Right. You know, it, it, the point is that you need to you need to take care of yourself. You need to be your own advocate. Okay, D- don't just sit back and assume that these doctors and nurses are going to do everything for you because you're busy. They're busy, and maybe they're not thinking about absolutely everything to do with you. Maybe they have five other cases on the go at this precise moment. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Want to send us an email? We'd love to uh, love to get to it. Talk about uh, long term disability continuation from what uh, some of the stuff we talked about last week. You often mention IME. What is an IME? IME is an independent medical examination, or at least that's the title. And I stress the word independent because really what insurance companies tell you is that, look, 
we've seen the medical documentation you've provided. We've heard you uh, talk about your injuries. Uh, we've seen everything, but we would like you seen by an independent medical professional. And it's a misnomer, really, because that person is not independent. That person is being paid by the insurance company to assess you and produce a report. A scam. So <laughs> as you can imagine, a lot of these doctors or chiropractors or other practitioners, uh, whoever it is they're sending you to, uh, oftentimes their results are not necessarily reflective of either what you've told them or what you're feeling, which is why oftentimes people come to me after going to an IME, they are furious. They're furious with the way they've been dealt with by the doctor. They're furious by what they've heard from the adjuster that the doctor wrote subsequently. And, and you know, it, but unfortunately, it's something that you need to do because under the policy, you have an obligation to cooperate with your insurance company. Unfortunately, oftentimes, especially in long-term disability claims, if the insurance company is setting you up for an IME, it's because they are hoping... And I'll say that just out there. I mean, they're not looking for, as far as I'm concerned, objective information and opinion. They are hoping that the medical professional will say, this person should be yep. able to go back to work. And once that medical professional provides that opinion, the insurance company now has what it needs to say to you, we believe, based on that opinion, that you should be going back to work. Meaning, equal sign, you're not getting any more LTD payments beyond a certain date. And that's where most people find themselves just when they're about to call me and say, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yep. You know, is it a lost cause? No, it's not Panicking. a lost cause. Exactly. But that's what an IME is supposed to be. We'll get to some more uh, questions as they pertain to LTD in just a minute. You want to send us an email, we'll get to one of those immediately after we come back from the break. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Savan's number, 416-216-5910. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number is 416-216-5910. And the email is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We'll get another email Throw this one at you, Savannah. You can answer it best you can. Laura from Thornhill writes in, says, I've been receiving long-term disability benefits for almost two years. I got a letter from my insurance company saying that they need more medical support for my ongoing disability. We know this is all about, but I already gave them everything I have. I don't know what else they're looking for. What should I do? The old two-year mark, huh? Uh, Laura, to be honest with you, if I had five cents for every time I got one of these emails or phone calls, <laughs> no I would not be on the radio right now. Do you, you want to be retired in the Caribbean somewhere? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, it, this is crazy. Okay, so so you've given them everything, absolutely everything. Your doctors have given them everything. What else are they looking for? I can't tell you. It's I like can't tell you because. It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, you know this was on air, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, God. Uh, you know, this is, this is unfortunately something that I get asked all the time. And the premise of that question is that there is logic to that question. Right. You know, it, it's similar to, you know, why should I not appeal if I've been denied? Well, because, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing something, the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. Same thing here, Laura. You're giving them everything and, and you know, you're not going to get a different result. The, the different result is going to come if you have an insurance lawyer, a disability lawyer, who presents this information to the insurance company and if you are uh, cut off, files a claim effectively putting a legal gun to the insurance company's head. So that's your only trump card That's, that's the only trump card, exactly. Right. Because if you've given them everything and your doctors are supporting your disability, they're saying you cannot go back to work and they're saying that's just not enough, what else do they want? Now look, in the odd situation, in, in some circumstances, it's, it's rare, but in some circumstances, 
oftentimes I see, not oftentimes, but in some situations, I, I see doctors who provide reports, but they're not being explicit. So in other mm-hmm. words, they'll say, you know, the person uh, is unable to go back to work. A little too general. But, too general, exactly. You've got to be <laughs> yeah. more specific. But oftentimes, I, I see letters that are so detailed. Uh, in fact, you can sense frustration from the, the providers, the medical practitioners who are providing the letters. I've had situations where family doctors and specialists, I know one spine surgeon specifically who gets on the phone with the adjusters wow. directly and says, what the hell are you doing? You know, this person cannot go back to work. I'm yeah. telling you, this person is under tremendous pain. They're bedridden, this and that. And, and, you know, nothing is happening on the insurance side because for whatever reason, they've decided that this person should be able to go back to work or we don't have enough information. So, so Laura, uh, I, in terms of what you should do, you should call me and, and let me communicate directly with the yeah. insurance company. And, and you know, I, I usually position it in a very simple way to them. Look, here's all the information. Here are all the supporting medical documentation uh, that we have, uh, just proving that this person cannot go back to work in the foreseeable future. If you cut them off, if you haven't already, if you cut them off, you will the next day get a claim against you for a declaration that you have to cover them, and we're going to claim for punitive damages, which is damages where you seek to punish the insurance company. Right. And if, if, if they have cut you off, then we should be starting that claim immediately, if not right. yesterday. So, so again, Laura, it's difficult for me to assess your particular situation because I haven't seen the documentation, but if you're telling me you've given them absolutely everything, then I believe you. You've given them absolutely mm-hmm. everything, and you can't work. So give me a call, and, and we'll deal with it. Trust me, we'll deal with it. I mean, this is what I do. Your next step, Laura, 416-216-5910 is the number. Uh, before that, we were talking a little bit about long-term disability and the independent medical examination, what it was called, why is it defined as such. Does a, a disabled person have to go for an IME? Okay, so so the, the, the technical answer is it depends. It, it depends on whether or not you want to go or you don't want to go. But here's the reality. If you decide not to go, the insurance company is going to say, well, under the policy, which, by the way, is a contract that we have that is – our relationship, it's its the parameters of our relationship, mm-hmm. us, us insurance company, you disabled person. Uh, it says that there, we are entitled to have you seen by a, a, um, a professional of our choosing, a medical professional. And if you say you don't want to go, you are potentially giving them the excuse of cutting you off by right. saying you are being non-compliant. Uh, so, so generally speaking, I tell people, look, go to these IMEs, uh, unless there is a very good reason not to go, unless you've gone to three of them already, yeah. right? You should go, and and frankly, you know, what's the concern? If you have good support on your side, if you have a good family doctor or a specialist or a psychiatrist, whoever it is that's dealing with you, if they are providing you with strong reports in support of your disability, then don't be concerned about going to one of those IMEs because even if they give an opinion that contradicts what your doctors say, it's very rare for me to have seen cases where uh, insurance companies really believed in those opinions when they went against all of the practitioners that are treating the individual mm. that they're representing. Yeah. So, so don't be concerned about that. But yeah, you have a choice if you want to go or not. I wouldn't recommend not going unless there's a very good reason. And so if they get cut off after the IME again, what do they do? They call me immediately. Right. You do not wait. You do not appeal because it, keep in mind, the, the, the longer you wait, the, 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 more, the, more, the, the, the longer the insurance company just sits on the money that, that they have to pay you. Yeah. It's just that simple. The problem is that you have to pry it out of them. And the only way to do it is legally. And if you appeal, you mentioned appeal there. If if you if they tell you you can appeal, I mean, aren't you just appealing to the same people that cut you off? It's kind of like rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic. No? It's exactly that. It's exactly that. And of course, you're going to have insurance companies and adjusters out there saying, what are you talking about? It's a different department. It's different people. Well, no, it's not. It's the same system. It's the same protocols. Unless you're giving them something that is hugely different than what you've given them before you were denied, 
they're going to say that your appeal is denied, and then they're going to invite you to appeal a second time. So again, remember, we spoke about last show about this lady who called me, and I told her, listen, let's file a claim. You've been cut off. And she says, well, you know, I'd like to try and appeal. And I said, look, absolutely, go ahead. Yeah. I'm not going to force you. And God knows we're all busy at the office. So if you want to go ahead with that route, trust me when I tell you, you're going to end up coming to me. Sure. And I think it was a month and a half later or whatnot that you we got, got an email back. Not hey, just an email back. Right. Yeah, exactly. She <laughs> yeah. says, what, what, what do you need from me to start a claim? That's right. what she said. Yeah. And, you know, I... I, I didn't say, oh, ha, 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 I see it, I'm right. No, it's unfortunate because people, yeah. you know, people people genuinely try to cooperate with insurance companies. Totally. The idea is that with, with insurance, you have peace of mind. That's the product that they're selling you mm-hmm. whenever you buy home insurance, right. travel insurance. What are you buying? You're buying peace of mind. But then you find yourself in a fight with the insurer when you are most vulnerable, when you have to deal with an injury or an illness or you're stuck in some country mm-hmm. with huge medical legal bills. Exactly. And it's just not right. But that's a system that we're working with. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back for another segment here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640. The number is 416-216-5910. That will get you through to Savannah anytime. It's his uh, own personal number. Has it right on his hip at all times. And uh, email, rather, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Got a note here from Jeremy. He lives in Oshawa, says my father has uh, very bad arthritis, but the insurance company said that he should be able to work despite his family doctor writing to them that he can't. Does he need to have a specialist write a letter for him in order to convince the insurer to pay him? That's an interesting question, but uh, let, let me just focus on, on the one line here that you mentioned, that you said, um, uh, Jeremy. Uh, the insurance company says that he should be able to work. Right. And that's unfortunately something that we see quite often where when uh, defense lawyers and, you know, yours truly included back then when I used to work for insurance company, would apply an objective standard saying you should, you ought to. Right. You know, why haven't you recovered by now? You know, according to medical literature, it should take you five months or six months to recover to where you were before the accident or the illness. Well, people are not robots, and, and we know that there are ranges, and we know people react differently to different things. And yes, we have norms, and we have parameters that we work with in which, right, when doctors make assessments and prognosis, uh, but everyone is different. And so, uh, Jeremy, I'm not sure based on what they're saying that he should be able to go back to work. Incidentally, John, going back to the previous segment when we talked about IMEs, Oftentimes, IME doctors say this person should have already recovered from this illness or this accident. And again, okay, should, but they haven't. So, Jeremy, in your situation, to answer your question, if he has a specialist dealing with his arthritis, for example, a rheumatologist, uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. If you can get a specialist's opinion saying that, no, as a result of, of, of this terrible disease, uh, he's unable to go back to work for the foreseeable future to any kind of work. That's going to be very, very helpful. Uh, but you know, unless the insurance company has good reason to deny his claim, the fact that his family doctor, who I'm not sure if the, if it's been a long-standing family doctor or just for the past year or so, but if the family doctor is very adamant, I, I, I that's just uh, that, that, that that's a good report. I mean, you know, if the doctor is supporting him and saying he can go back to work, what is the insurance company using? To contradict that. And again, listen, the general rule is this. The more medical opinions you have on your side uh, stacked up against the the insurance company, the better you're you're, you're at. I mean, you're going to just do better in terms of of a claim against the insurer. Uh, So, you know, if he has a specialist, 
that's dealing with his illness, by all means, get a report from that specialist uh, to support the family doctor's report. 416-216-5910 and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Let's talk about car accidents a bit because I know this is a big component of your business and a lot of the uh, emails we get and calls as well that you get on your own number. So can you uh, remind our listeners again the, the important deadlines that must be met right after a car accident? All right. So car accidents, uh, we do have some deadlines that a lot of people miss. Uh, they're not always fatal. In other words, if you don't meet them, doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to uh, right. start a claim. But, you know, definitely adhere to these because you don't want to be in, pos- in, a, in a position, in a situation where you have to argue why you didn't meet those deadlines. Uh, so certainly within seven days of the accident, notify your insurance company of the accident uh, and, and your intention to get uh, accident benefits. Remember the income replacement benefits, uh, medical rehabilitation, and all that. By the way, as a side note, John, we'll talk about this closer to June, but in June of this year, the legislation is changing again, uh, and the accident benefits uh, uh, system or schedule is, is, is changing such that people should be aware of the kind of benefits that they're going to be getting with their insurance. Better for us or worse? Well, it's, it, it always gets worse, but that's more of a reason to make sure that you consult with someone who yep. knows what they're doing in the field because you want to maximize whatever you can get. Right. Uh, so within seven days of the accident, make sure you notify your insurance company. Within 30 days, uh, y- y- you have to submit the accident benefits forms. And again, very, very important. You don't always need a lawyer or a paralegal to do mm-hmm. it, but you know what? If For any listener out there that's ever been in an accident, if, if you get those forms, I mean, you just you look at them and you think to yourself, oh my God, I have to go through what all these nightmare. forms. It, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's actually not that difficult to navigate, but it looks like a nightmare because it's a huge stack of paper. Uh, but, you know, we do this all the time, so for us it's a piece of cake. Uh, so that's within 30 days. Now, within 120 days of the accident, you have to notify the negligent driver of the, of the, the, who, who is responsible for the accident that you're entitled to seek compensation from his insurance company or her insurance company uh, for pain and suffering, income loss, et cetera. So you got to notify them of what's called a tort claim, which okay. is the claim against the at-fault driver. The most important deadline to adhere to, and we talked about this God knows how many times, John, is the two-year mark. If you wait and you don't uh, start a claim within two years of the date of the accident, you are potentially barred from starting co- a, a claim for compensation for pain and suffering, for income loss well, and all that. wait two years? You know, well, like... a lot of people wait two years. We talked about those in the, uh, in, in the past. We, we've had callers who called in who, who uh, you know, missed the two-year mark by, by years. Uh, and it's one of those things where, again, there are exceptions to the rule, but you do not want to be in a position where you have to argue one of those exceptions. No. So very, very important within two years. I generally tell people that, look, if the accident is serious, if your injuries are chronic, if you can't work for more than a few months, make sure you start a claim ASAP. You do not have to wait two years or even a year to start a claim. Mm-hmm. Okay, very, very important. Don't wait. It's going to take a while to resolve these claims anyways. So why, why wait? 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca is the email. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, benefits you can expect and get from your insurance company right after that accident after we take a quick break. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Savan's number directly, 416-216-5910 and it is help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We're talking about a very popular topic. We get uh, phone calls, emails about all the time and that is car accidents and benefits because a lot of people drive a lot of cars on the road. What benefits can you generally get from your insurance company after an accident? Okay, so again, I, I, we're going through this because I get a lot of questions about right. this uh, on a daily basis. But again, keep in mind that these benefits 
uh, are subject to change this coming June, and we'll talk about that later. So th- the first benefit, there are two primary benefits uh, for most claims where you're injured in a car accident, whether you're a passenger or whether you're, you're uh, a driver, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if you're at fault or not. They're called no-fault benefits, meaning you do not have to get them only if you're not at fault. You can okay. be at fault and still get them. Uh, so one is uh, income replacement benefits, IRBs, as they're called, and they are to compensate you for income that you cannot earn as a result of of uh, getting injured in an accident. Very important to understand. People often get really angry when they realize that you do not get that kind of compensation uh, for the first week after the accident. No. Okay, it starts after that first week. Uh, generally speaking, you get up to four hundred dollars a week, and unless, I know that f- yeah. uh, unless you purchase optional benefits, right. and you know you can shoot it up to six hundred or eight hundred or a thousand dollars a week. Very, very important for you to uh, to speak with your insurance adjuster or a broker if you're using one mm-hmm. uh, to get those optional benefits. It's really very low cost, and you're going to really add another layer of protection for yourself. Uh, and keep in mind, you're not automatically getting the four hundred bucks a week or six hundred or eight hundred. There's a formula that they use. Uh, they look at your gross uh, income over a period of time, uh, and they look at 70% of that gross income on a oh, weekly basis. Okay. So it's up to, these are maximum so it's amounts. it's not automatically 400 bucks. No, it's wow, not. Okay. It's not. It's a maximum. And, and, and the, there is, like I said, there's a formula. It's not difficult, but there is a formula. And you got to make sure that, you know, you fill out the proper paperwork for that. I've had people uh, contact me with, a, had an accident, uh, this is actually the last week as well. They were in an accident a few months back, and they still haven't received the uh, IRBs. And it's it's because they just didn't know what they were doing when they were filling out the forms. So, you know, make sure that you do uh, consult somebody who knows what they're doing because we can get those benefits to you immediately. Uh, there's obviously the medical and rehabilitation benefit, and that's to uh, to take care of uh, medical expenses. Uh, generally speaking, you see that uh, with clinics. You know, you're going to a clinic for physio, for chiro, acupuncture, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you're either going to be categorized as a MIG, you know, as as you fall in the minor injury guideline, Mm -hmm. you know, with a non-serious injury. And I put that in quotes, by the way, because unfortunately, a lot of serious injuries are classified as as MIGs. And for that, you get up to $3,500, so $3,500 for those kinds of expenses. Uh, If you have a more serious injury uh, that gets you um, outside of the MIG, uh, you're entitled to up to $50,000 of these medical rehabilitation benefits. Keep in mind, you don't get a check for that. It's if you go to the clinic, the clinic is able to provide treatment plans. They then get submitted to the insurance company. Insurance company then approves them. And and again, these are maximum amounts that the insurance company will pay for your treatments. Should you or do you have to go to the, you mentioned a clinic for rehab. Do you have to go to a clinic that your insurance company suggests you go to? Uh, No, you do not. And and in fact, uh, good question. Um, Do not do that. Okay. If your insurance adjuster is telling you go to clinic X, uh, go to clinic Y. Okay. I'm telling you, it's not to say that clinic X is bad. It's that I'm very weary uh, of situations where an adjuster says, to an injured person, you know, you should really consider going to this clinic. They are on the approved list. We like them. Right. Because here's what's going to happen. At some point, in almost every case I've ever dealt with, at some point, the insurance adjuster comes back, whether it's six months after the accident or a year or a year and a half, and says, you know what? Uh, we think that, uh, you know, y- y- you don't need any more treatments. Clearly, you're not improving. So there's no point for more treatments. Completely ignoring, John, by the way, the fact that maybe those treatments are sustaining you and maybe they're helping you cope with right. what you're going through. But in any event, they're saying, no, you've plateaued, you don't need any more. Or, or they'll say, uh, uh, we believe that, uh, that you're 100% back to normal, so you don't need those treatments anymore. And again, why is the insurance company saying that? Because they don't want to have to continue shelling out right. uh, the dollars to the, insur- to the clinic. 
But, but here's the reason why I recommend you do not go to a clinic that the insurance company suggests. Because oftentimes, uh, the clinic that is on the approved list for the insurance mm-hmm. company wants to do what the insurance company wants them to do, which is to provide opinions that this person, in fact, does not need any more treatments. And I'm not trying to color everyone with the same br- paint everyone with the same brush. I'm not trying to say that a clinic that uh, is recommended or approved by an insurance company is a bad clinic. I'm just saying that there is a potential conflict here. If you go to a clinic that the insurance company recommends, what stops that clinic from providing opinions that are not necessarily in your best interest? Yeah, they're kind of keeping each other you business. You got it, exactly. Kind of throwing a bone here. You got it. Yeah. You got so. it. And, and once they provide those opinions to the insurance company, insurance company says, aha, you know, your own practitioners at this clinic that we sent you, by the way, are saying that you don't need any more of those treatments. So again, I'm very suspicious. I don't like conflicts. Uh, you know, oftentimes people ask me, suggest a clinic. Right? Can and, and you? I, 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 sure, I can. Absolutely, I try not to. Uh, and we've had actually a clinic director here uh, a, a few right. weeks back, I think. And and I went to visit his clinic, and I don't have any relationship with him other than the fact that he listens to the show, and and he invited me and actually gave me some treatments, and I thought that he did a really good job. So so you know, I, I don't like to give these recommendations. I usually tell people. Go to your family doctor, get a recommendation from your family doctor. I'm sure that they know someone good. Closing few moments here. Go through it again one more time quickly. Injurycalculator.ca for everybody to use. Okay, it's something that anyone who's been injured in a car accident or a slip and fall or through someone else's negligence in any way should go. Uh, That online tool is free. It's anonymous. It's a database that allows you to input a few few, uh, key pieces of information about your injury without identifying yourself. And it will give you uh, a range of compensation you could potentially be entitled to if you, in fact, choose to start a claim for that compensation. So injurycalculator.ca, it's been used a lot. I I get Mm -hmm. a lot of submissions because what happens is people go in just for curiosity. they, They input the information. They see what the range is, and then you have an option of contacting right, me with that information. You don't have through. to, yep. but they can they can press that button, and then I get the submission. I contact them, and we have a discussion. Cool. Until next week, some good information there. The number to call is 416-216-5910. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And once again, www.injurycalculator.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.